0: It's like Casey says The fella ain't got a soul of his own Just a little piece of a big soul The one big soul that belongs to everybody Then... Then what's that? Then it don't matter I'll be all around in the dark I'll be everywhere Wherever you can look Wherever there's a cop beating up a guy I'll be there I'll be in the way kids laugh When they're hungry and they know supper's ready and when the people are eating the stuff they raise, living in the houses they build, I'll be there too. I don't understand it, doubt. Me neither, Mom. Just something I've been thinking about.
1: You're listening to the All That's Holy Blue Collar Podcast. Thought-provoking interviews with interesting guests and commentary on everything, from sports to gardening, from good food with close friends, to great music and movies, provided by your hosts, Justin Ackerman, the millennial, Cody Stoffer, the reluctant Gen Xer, and Craig Morton, the token baby boomer. These guys are allergic to big words, but not to big ideas. Profound things will be said, but they will be entirely by accident.
2: Putting the band back together. Forget it. No way. We're on a mission from God.
0: Hey there, you wonderful, lovable <laughs> numbskulls. How are ya,
1: <laughs> Justin Berber!
0: You What's know, I really <laughs> really, really <laughs> there. Hello, you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was gotta think of something. <laughs> I was, am o- overjoyed in the moment, so I'm just, uh, yeah, words had to spew out of me at the moment. Uh-huh. I'm down, uh, near my house in southeast Boise right now. Um, it's snowing. It's just coming down here right now. The Ooh. streets are covered in snow, and it, it looks absolutely beautiful. I can't get over how amazing it looks out look, here right now. I absolutely love it.
2: I, I do, I do love the, I do love the look. And here's what's even better: we have a neighbor with his own snowplow who drives through the subdivision.
0: That's pretty awesome. <laughs> I'm sure you love that, yeah. That's just that awesome. That is awesome of them. That is awesome of them. You're right. All right then, let's do it.
1: It's time to catch up, guys. So, ready, break. Here we go. One, two, Actually, three. <laughs> hey, what did we break.
2: What, so what did we yell when we say break? I mean, uh, go team. Hmm.
1: <laughs> let's let's say one two three don't stink <laughs> yeah. all right ready Dance all in. or or don't suck yeah <laughs> one two three don't suck don't suck don't suck <laughs> all right
2: let's get it on time all right all right, all right
1: just so you know i'll going into recording so sounds good okay all right, so yeah, so here we are, guys. Uh, when this comes out, it's going to be 2017. First of all, let that sink in. 2017. That's it insane. will be a whole new world. It's yep. Insane, 2017. So we're going to say, for our episode, we're going to say some goodbyes to 2016 and good riddance to 2016. Yeah. <laughs> And oh, below load yes. 2017. So let's take a time to review 2016. What, When you guys think of 2016, what comes to mind? A
0: lot of dead celebrities. A lot of
1: dead people. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> Started with, lot uh, of dead who did it start with? David Bowie, or was that? David Bowie that's was the first one, one, and then
0: Alan Rickman followed. Yeah,
1: Alan Rickman, and yeah. uh, Reese, uh, who else? Who else have we missed?
0: Abe Pagoda. Oh, Fogoda yeah. Abe Pagoda went shortly thereafter.
1: Abe Pagoda. Which was really sad. Yep.
0: And then uh, Prince was shortly after that's that that's right. as well. That's Prince, yes. Oh, man. Then at that point, I kind of lost track of everyone.
1: Yeah,
2: there's just so many.
0: <laughs> it, was, it was weird how many famous people died this year. I couldn't believe it.
2: <clears throat> well, they got to do it sometime.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, out, of, year.
1: out of all the years, I guess twenty it just it seemed
2: appropriate. Twenty sixteen was the year. Yeah,
1: yeah. I, think, I think
2: I think the one that kind of capped it, I think, in a lot of ways, was Leonard Cohen. Ah, oh, Leonard Cohen. Leonard I mean, Cohen. Yep.
0: Yeah.
2: It was at a kind of a culturally sensitive period of time, and it was interesting. Okay, uh, are you on.
0: ready?
2: There's
1: yeah. uh, not only member Natalie Cole passed away. Nat King Cole's Natalie daughter.
0: Cole. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh. Jaja Gabor just did. Right. Alan Thick. Alan Thick just died, yep. Easily. Yep. Uh. Oh, Glenn Fry, Eagles guitarist. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Jeez, man. But, you know,
2: a lot of celebrities died. Yeah. Uh. A lot of people that nobody knows died, too.
0: Um, Well. And that's not. Yep. was there a higher death rate this year than any other year? Like, (laughs) celebrities aside?
2: No, I don't here, know. here's what, here's what died this last year it was it was on it was in its death throes. but here's what died yeah uh tru- truth truth <laughs> yeah. truth truth yeah. is
1: dead the internet the internet killed it yeah <laughs> is that true that you think that it uh, really did happen this year or I mean it's been you know I mean is this always happens oh I think it's all, I think happening. it's always been happening yeah but, but 2016 but, was like a marquee year. Oh, it was. It was, oh, yeah, it, was like, definitely. it was like
2: the wave finally crested, you know, and, yeah. and it was there.
1: It was like the year where we were like, okay, we're not even going to pretend anymore. Yeah. Uh, we care about <laughs> truth.
2: I, I, so I don't know how you have a funeral for truth. Um.
1: <laughs> if we could take a moment, everybody, a moment of silence for truth.
0: Okay, that's good. All right.
2: Good. Good.
0: <laughs> Don't Truth. say anything honest in that time. No. So here, here's,
2: my, here's what I predict, though, for
1: 2017. All right, let's hear it. what is going to happen in 2017. Truth is going to make a comeback. Come back. Woo. And how? Wait. How was? How, how? Oh, maybe uh, in um, reaction. You're saying to. I,
2: th- I think so. I think there's going to. I think there's going to be a pendulum swing, okay, or at least okay. the beginning of that swing.
1: Okay. What will that look like? People will stop posting
2: lies? No. No, people are going to keep posting lies.
1: (laughs) Okay.
2: But I think people are going to start calling people on More calling
1: out. More calling out. Okay.
2: One one of the most uh, encouraging conversations I've had is with a friend who is uh, diametrically opposed to me on political issues.
1: Yeah.
2: And he and I were both completely wrong about the the election. I mean, like everybody else.
1: Everybody, right?
2: And he and I both came to this conviction that we are not doing enough work at listening to other people. Yes, you know, I agree. We spend too much time telling rather than listening. Okay, and that's absolutely if, true. If the resurrection of truth is going to be uh, uh, this maybe uh, a greater intentionality of listening to somebody else's experience yep. rather than arguing and trying to convince, and, right. and maybe maybe truth will make a, a slight comeback that way.
1: It'll come not through roared arguments, but in reasonable response after listening well. Yes. Okay. Yeah.
0: You know, yeah, that's a good point, Craig. I mean, I um, I've kind of been abstaining from posting about anything political lately on Facebook. Uh, and but, I um, but one... that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, but uh, one thing that I have that I think my next post about politics is going to be that I have been thinking about over the last few weeks is um, part of this with going about how the truth is dead at the moment is we're in this weird era right now in which people don't really want to talk to those they disagree with. They just kind of want to, um, no one go, or I should say people go into a, if they're going to talk to anyone that they disagree with on the other side of the political aisle or whatever, they go into the conversation like it's a war, basically. It's a uh, fight mm-hmm. to win. Yeah. And um, people don't want to... The thing that I think is weird, and I've I've seen this on both sides of the political aisle, is that when, when two people who start off on opposite ends of an issue start coming together and finding common ground in their thinking, a lot of times... Those on the same political aisle, or on one side of the political aisle, will view that as a failed conversation, which is so weird because that should be the, that should be the, uh, the criteria for a successful conversation is when people have a meeting of the minds and they start to, uh, they start to come together on things. Even if their conclusion is wrong, once they're on the same page, it makes it more likely that they're gonna find the right way because there's no ego or um you know or that desire to prove that you're right getting in the way you know Mm -hmm. you're you're in it together and so that's uh that's something that i've really noticed is that a lot of times we view people we view conversations in which people who start out disagreeing starting to agree we view that as a as like a political failure which is a huge problem and uh And so a lot of people don't want to talk to people they don't normally agree with. But on the flip side to that, I'm also, I'm sympathetic in a way toward not, in some cases, not wanting to talk to people on the other side of the political aisle only because there's so many on both sides, there's so many ill-willed participants in the debate. There are, there are so many people who will talk to people on the other side, but only for the purpose of trying to spin the conversation or trying to you know get sound bites and they can edit it to make it sound a certain way like they have no intention of opening their mind they just want to if they're talking to a well-intentioned person they hope they can drag that person to their side as opposed to uh find any sort of common ground or they want to humiliate the person so i also understand that there are so many ill will participants out there and that kind of goes back full circle to this idea of truth and everything that they're yeah. There's so many people out there who don't want, who could care less about finding truth or getting to the bedrock of truth and what's moral and what isn't. Mm. They just want to turn it, they just, their spin artists, is essentially what they are.
2: Right, right. So but and, go and, ahead. Go it, It's almost like there needs to be a vetting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but yes, exactly. Who, who are safe listening partners. Right, so yeah. I, that's exactly what I was going to
1: say. The old phrase uh, as uh, wise as serpents. You need to be when it comes to yeah. your conversations. Right. You know, discern, discern who's safe, and then when you do find that safe, be then as gentle as a dove, or whatever. You know, however it goes, as peaceful as right, a dove. right.
0: Yep. But the um,
2: one of the one of the projects that I'm I'm really hoping and praying for right now. I talked to the manager at a local pub of uh, creating a a monthly community conversation time at the pub. Awesome. Where, uh, for instance, I don't know if you're familiar with the documentary, 13th, about... Um, uh-uh. Oh, it's a powerful, powerful mm-hmm. documentary on, on Netflix. What's it called again? 13th. 13th. About the 13th, 13th Amendment. Like, it, it's about the 13th oh, okay. Amendment. And this clause and, in the hold 13th... Hold on,
0: refresh, th- us. What's the, refresh us. What's the 13th Amendment?
2: Abolishing slavery. Oh, okay. However, th- there's a clause in the 13th Amendment, which allows for that amendment to be suspended if you are in prison. And in, in, what, in, in one of the areas of uh, emphasis for this documentary also includes the private prison for profit issue, where you actually have a corporation whose stakeholders uh, have a vested interest in keeping people in prison. Yep. In other words, extending the yeah. suspension of the 13th Amendment. So uh, you're going to talk about the so first pub? Well, that might not be yeah. the first one. Okay. <laughs> but, but we, do want, we do want to create a place where we can talk about issues of homelessness, racism, you know, whatever social ill may be affecting, you know, heroin usage, right? Uh, opiates, um, whatever the issue may be. But use the pub as a place. I told, told the manager though, I'm afraid if we get a bunch of church people, they may not buy enough beer. <laughs> uh, you know, what do we need to do? <laughs> I said I'll do my part, but <laughs> uh, but um, but the manager was was uh, was open to the idea, so we're 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 you know trying to pursue that. And it's Sweet. The, the the danger there is to create this atmosphere, it, or to to protect this atmosphere, uh, where we have earnest listening partners not trying to champion their own position. Yeah. Listen to one another.
0: Yep.
1: Yeah. Exactly. Excellent. Okay, so I'm hearing. We didn't dwell much on 2016 because we are done with it. We're washing our hands with it. It's over. (laughs) We don't want to, we don't want to dwell on that. And 2017 is the return of listening and truth and reasonable conversation and, uh, well-intentioned, uh, plans of developing these conversations. I love it.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. I love it. All right, guys. Now. it's time for confession. I'll kick it confession, off, okay? Right. Yeah, I'll kick it okay. off, okay? So, <clears throat> my confession is this. Uh, the reason why we've had to develop this new way of doing things. So, so, just to let our listeners know, we're going to be recording in chunks and calling them seasons. So, we'll have three months on of, re- oh. of uh, recording, one month off of no recording. And the reason that, that had to happen was because... I flaked out this this fall um, because of responsibilities that I had here at home and with the church that really screwed up my recording scheduling. And so my confession is I let that, I, I, I was a flake. I was a flake in the fall.
2: A flake in the fall. A flake
1: in the fall. Of twenty sixteen. More
0: than in the fall. <laughs> That's my confession.
1: Oh, so we're okay, we got two flake confessions. Craig, you wanna yeah, I, you wanna I, add I, that? I,
0: I can be flaky too. <laughs> we're the three flakes of the fall. Oh and, it, and ironically we have snowflakes falling right now.
1: <laughs> so I see. Perfect okay, time here's to what be I see. Flake. That's what I see. So we're flakes, but the flake the snowflake represents uh, cleansing. It's like a baptismal, a baptism of snowflakes happening. <laughs> there you go. I'll buy there you that. Go. Cleansing and, us and, of
2: this. And once you confess your flakiness, yep. uh, you become pure as the driven snow. Exactly. Okay, so uh, to
1: our listeners, we want to apologize for the hiatus. To those we've interviewed... We want to apologize that put off putting your interviews out, but they will get out. They will they, get out. They will they get will. out. We have some they great ones. Out. We have some great ones
2: for 2017. And in, in fact, in fact, with this episode, uh, I mean the 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 thing that's on everybody's mind in January, of mm-hmm. course, is baseball. Baseball. January is yep. baseball. And so we'll have a great <laughs> uh, great interview with uh, with a college student athlete. A awesome. uh, friend of mine, Tyler, and January is that time, at least for college ball, especially Catcher, catchers and pitchers report. Yep. Uh, yep. Pitchers respect.
1: and catchers, they're back in. They're back at it. The off season so is short.
2: He's a uh, he's a he's a junior college baseball player, and he's getting ready for his second season there as a, as a pitcher. Which means he's also in the midst of uh, recruiting, oh. You're looking for that next level, wondering what's coming next. That's a really hard time for a lot of these JUCO uh, oh, athletes yeah. trying oh, to yeah. figure out what comes next. Oh, yeah. But the uh, one, of the, one of the neat things in the interview with Tyler is you just hear his passion, his love of the game, mm. and his appreciation for those who um, have gotten him to where he is at this point. Oh,
1: passion. Passion for the game. You cannot say that JUCO players do not have passion for the game.
2: Oh man, here they <laughs> are. We're coming for
0: you!
2: Hey, this is uh, the All That's Holy Blue Collar podcast, and this is Craig, and I'm going to be talking with uh, a college student athlete, a, a young man who I've known for at least a dozen years, and uh, for, for a good part of the, those years, uh, he and his family were kind of part of our family. We spent time uh, during football season and during baseball season probably together almost 10 months out of the year. And it's been really fun to watch uh, Tyler Winkler grow up, uh, become a young man, and keep his passion for sports uh, and and excellence uh, right up front. And so now he's a college athlete, and uh, we're going to talk with Tyler today a little bit about what it means to be a a college student athlete and uh, how he got there and and what the future looks like. So good to to talk with
3: you, Tyler. Good to talk to you, too. It's always nice to, to talk to you, for sure.
2: Yeah had had you had you stopped and thought about how long our families have known each other how long I've known you
3: just before this I started to think about how much that I've known your family and how much we've all hung out together and just playing Optimus football all the way up playing baseball together it seems like it's been a long time ago but it was it was definitely the good days for sure
2: definitely yeah I was I was uh, just before I gave you a call I was looking through some photos and I saw. A photo from 2007, after your the Optimist team had played uh, one of the season-ending bowl games. I can't remember what what the title of it was. and There was a group photo there, and uh, there you are. You know, there Nathan is. It's like and a bunch of other guys. And what's interesting, after that football team or the baseball teams that uh, you know you you were involved with uh, from you know spring, uh, reading youth baseball or the summer uh, club teams, how many guys? are now college athletes out of those groups together. I mean, you know, just think of how many kids you've played sports with, how many you are still playing?
3: Yeah, that, it's just, it, it's really insane to think about when I stopped playing football, you know, I still had the passion to, to still wanna play it, but I knew what my, my calling was. And I think that's what happened with a bunch of, of other guys too is they said, hey, this is my calling. You know, Noah Baxter playing basketball, your son Nate playing football, you know. I mean, it's just a calling that they had. And they said, hey, you know, this is what I want to do. And and to really see not just from that Optimist team, but some of the guys who we played against and who we played for in, in high school and everything like that go on. It's just, it's insane to think about how many kids that I know who are on to different levels and it just it, it makes it so cool to, to to see that, you know. So it's it's pretty awesome to see how many kids are from just meridian high in general who are there. It's it's a cool deal, for sure.
2: It, it it's it's kinda of interesting where you kinda of had to describe that that calling. What what's the what's the one that's gonna keep you moving forward? You know, you yeah you were you were you played football. Did you play up through your sophomore year or junior year? Junior year, right?
3: I I played, actually, I, I I ended my football career after my freshman year, um, because I got into a fall camp called the Idaho Cubs, who, it, it just took up my, my whole summer, or my whole fall, I mean, and it was, it's one of those where you either had to pick one or the other, you couldn't do both, and I just decided, you know, this is what I want to do, this is my calling, and I'm gonna go for it.
2: So that's kind of, that's kind of crazy. I can't believe how long ago that really was. It seems so fresh. It's hard to believe that was after your freshman year. But that was that was kind of special. So getting getting uh, tapped to be a part of that that fall program with the Cubs. I mean, how's that feel for a kind of? You know, you're you're just a 14, 15 year old high school kid, and and now you know. A major league baseball team says, hey, can you come hang out with us for a little bit? It's not like the whole team, but I mean, still, it's it's that recognition.
3: Yeah, it was. It, I mean, I barely got my feet wet playing uh, freshman baseball. And, and to have the varsity coach come up to me and say, hey, we want you to to do this fall camp. We see enough potential in you. We want to see you go out there and, and do the instructional fall league, which at that time it was just a camp. And the other team was uh, more of a go around to different colleges and and play in front of them. So and I got to play my only one year for the instructional, and that was the fall was the, the best time for me because that's where I got better and that's where I was was definitely at my best with was, was getting that instruction from guys who are up. A, two levels, three levels ahead of me and telling me, hey, you know, you should you should do this, you should tweak this and it made me a better player for sure. That fall like was the best thing that ever happened to me really.
2: So as you went through high school you 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 pretty much had this this understanding you're a baseball player. because um, you focused on baseball and it became like a lot of high school athletes, it's a year round uh, year long kind of um focus you you probably took what december off and then you know pitchers and catchers start working out and, over christmas break or january and you you begin to getting into that that year round baseball kind of uh, uh routine did did that ever get to the point where it felt like well this is just too much i need to take i need to take 3 or 4 months off i need to take some time off or what or, or what what kept the passion going in those times
3: Honestly, it was there was a lot of of I want to say times where I wanted to be like, hey, you know, I just need a break. I, I need to I need to stop and and that there comes a point in time where you, where you, all a lot of athletes are like, hey, I just want a couple of days just to just to just to not not worry about it, not think about think about school and stuff like that. But what really put it into perspective for me was I had uh, my second year with the Cubs I had a cyst a on my wrist and I had to get that removed and they said well we're just not gonna we'll we'll let you throw this this day and then after that you can just uh go back to play or go back to school and make you don't have to come to the the camp which which was fine but at the same time I, I I needed that break but I just wanted to get back out there that was my itch that's what I wanted to do but when you're in it seems like when you're in it you take it for granted how much that, that if you don't play, how much you're going to miss it, how much you, 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 you miss it. So that's the way it was for me is, you know, if I wasn't there, then, then I'm going to miss it. So I, I feel like I needed and that's where my passion comes from, is I want to be out there every day.
2: And that's an interesting challenge for a lot of athletes. I mean, if you think about all the years that you've played sports and how fortunate really you, you have been for health. Yeah. You know, that, yeah, that you you know you haven't had to have a ACL repair. You know you haven't had to have a Tommy John. You know you haven't had to have you know uh, a, a major portion of your year out for injury. And,
3: right. Yeah. Uh, right. you know, there,
2: there's a number of you know high school athletes who end up having a significant injury and they're done with their sport and they just never pick it up again.
0: Uh, yeah.
2: And, and that 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 time that you were out, you know that, mo- that, that kind of a brief time because of the the wrist. Um, you, it it you kind of ached. It just you wanted to get back to it.
3: Yeah. Well, and when I was uh, my senior year, I uh, I actually fractured my back after playing um, in the state tournament, and I I go in and go to a chiropractor, which made it worse. But went in there and everything like that, and they said, you know, you have two fractures. You're done for the summer. You cannot play. You can't do anything. You just have to literally sit around. And that 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 again, that's where that passion comes from. Where I want to be out there every day. You know, thankfully, uh, one of the coaches said, "Come on out, come come coach with me. I want you to coach with me, and I want you to um, to teach these young guys what you have gone through and what you you need to what they need to uh, expect going forward." And what really helped me through that was coaching and also knowing that I'm going to college to play as well. That summer didn't mean as much to me, but at the same time, to see my friends go out there and play every day made me so made me pretty, you know, pretty pretty sad about it. But at the same time, I knew I'd be back out there playing. So there,
2: there's a there was a, a study I I was looking at uh, some uh, psychological research, and there's uh, a syndrome that affects athletes uh, when they're injured, and it's it's depression, it's anxiety. And what it is, is they're, they're not part of a team. Uh, you know, when, when they're recuperating from injury, and it, it's almost like they feel like an orphan, that they're not part of a family. So it seems like you're staying involved with, with coaching and being around the team during your recovery was such an important thing to keep you engaged
3: yeah and then even though I wasn't out there, they still treated me like i was I was part of the family and, and as far as i'd be in the dugout with them, you know cheering them on and everything like that they'd always welcome me with open arms saying we we know you, you what you're going through you're you're gonna get through it, and you're gonna become stronger uh, after you you get through this so it it was definitely uh, very thankful for all my teammates for doing that for me.
2: And that, so that's another interesting thing about, about sports in general is that, that sense of family you get being part of a team. Um, the, the, your graduating year, two, 2015, that group of guys, I mean, the group of guys that I had known, I mean, you guys, a lot of you played baseball together. By that point, almost 10 years together. You know, you'd been together for a long time. And, you, and uh, it was, seemed like a really strong, tight-knit group. What's it like to to leave that and then go to college and have to form a whole new set of relationships?
3: Hey, hey, you got to grow up really, really quickly when you come to college because you don't have your friends there. You know, my my best friends are at a rival community college, and you know, it, it takes every day for me not to call them up and say, "Hey, how's it going?" You know, but at the same time, I know I'm at my school. I'm at Big Bang Community College. These are my brothers now. These are. Who I need to to huddle around and and get them on the same page as me, saying, "Hey, you know, we're in this together." It, it is definitely a challenge after the first three first month. You know, like I just met these guys three weeks ago, and we're still trying to get to know each other. But every day, we're taking that step towards becoming a uh, family.
2: Don't don't you have Lonnie there with you?
3: Yes, we have, I have Lonnie and. Um Seth Reisbeck from um from Rocky. Yeah, from Rocky. Yeah, Augie Francis from Mountain View. I mean I, we've got guys from the valley who who've been there. So now that second year rolls around, you know what to expect because the sophomores before you set a high standard and you gotta meet that standard. So that's where that, that, that sort of family comes in is that's what their standard was. This is where we need to get to as well.
2: So going going to college uh, so la- last year was your first year of college baseball. And mm-hmm. uh, baseball begins basically when school starts, right? I mean August, September yep. you're already yep. gearing up for the spring.
3: Yeah. Oh yeah, we first day of, of school we started.
2: What's it like to to uh, how how different is it between high school? Hey, school's done. We'll just, you know, practice for an hour and a half and then we go home. What's the difference between college and uh, high school? What's what was what was the, the big changes you had to do?
3: The big change was, which for me, I mean, it wasn't that huge of a change. Like the winter was, but the fall was was you know you're you're playing, you're going six days a week, two two to three hours a day, just working as hard as you can, as intense as you can. And then once that Saturday rolls around, you're playing fall games, which that's what I did with the Cubs. I didn't, we did never practice, but we played on every Saturday somewhere. But we're practicing six days a week and just going nonstop, just get trying to get better. And going forward into the spring, we want to have that 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 chemistry together, that familieness that we talked about together into the, the winter, and then that carries over into the spring. The, the biggest thing is the, the the time that you have to put into the program to get better every day. That's the biggest thing.
2: So uh, in, in college, are you still focusing primarily on pitching? Do you have other defensive positions you play?
3: Uh, well, funny story. So we have uh, a a hitting coach, per se. His name is Ryan Domi, and he played in, in the major leagues for 10 years, 11 years, um, played with the Twins, Braves, and – and Pirates, and uh, he was taking uh, BP with one of my other coaches, and I see them over there. I was over at a softball game watching the, the softball team play, and I go up there and I say, hey, do you mind if I get a couple hats? And uh, they're like, yeah, sure. So I get in there, and, and the, the Major League, Brian Doma says, wow, Wink, you got a pretty good swing. You, you ever thought about swinging around here? I was like, well, you know, I mean, I am a pitcher, but if you want me to hit, I'll do it. So they said, they said, yeah, sure. So last year I got to hit a little bit in practice and everything like that, and they said they might fit me in this year. But honestly, what I should probably focus on more is my pitching. That's what got me here, and that's what I what I need to focus on. But it's definitely kind of reassuring just have somebody say, "Hey, you got a pretty good swing." So that's
2: cool. That's good to know. Yeah, yeah. In case you get picked up by the National League, you can you can go ahead and keep swinging.
3: Exactly. If somebody picks me up from the National League, that'd be that, you know, I already got one of the qualities down that a pitcher needs to have in the National League for sure. That's
2: right. That way you can go seven innings without, it. <laughs>
3: without having to get pulled. So. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. <laughs>
2: so um you 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 mentioned your coaches uh you, so you have one who's from who's had major league experience what's what's the what would you say is one of the big aha moments or the big surprises or the really special kind of advantage you get with a college coach as opposed to what what your high school coaches
0: not, not uh, like the high
3: school uh, coaches
2: but what's the different level like
3: that you become more of a more of a, of a a family, like it, it's you're out there six days a week. You know everything about your coaches really. Like uh one of my pitching coach just went hunting, I said did you get anything and everything like that. He he loves to talk to you about about his his time outside of, of practice and everything like that as well. And and you know what what they expect in you but you also know who they are as a person, not just as much as a as a, a coach. And like when they recruited me in, um, the head coach, his name is is Pete Domit. Um, that's Ryan's uh, dad. He he says, you know, we're we're like a family here, blah blah blah. But also they said, they said I'm like the uh, the grandpa of the the family of this this whole family, this, this team. He goes, then the pitching coach, Craig Carter, is going to be the dad, and. Jmo Jamison Lang, he's our hitting coach. is going to be your big brother, basically. So you basically have three lines here. That if you need to talk to any of us about anything, go ahead. You know, and that's one of the things that really stood out to me was okay, it is more family oriented and it is more of about each other and and who we are as a person, not just as a college baseball player.
2: One of the things that I've heard from a lot of college coaches, uh, just from our own interactions and conversations uh, with Nathan, is college coaches tend to think of themselves a lot in in that kind of role that you know they' they're not there just to help you play the sport, but they're there to develop you know young men and women into better uh, you know men and women it's It's the whole the whole person, the whole relationship, which is really different uh,
3: than yeah. in high school. Yeah. Yeah, that that's what it is. And they just, they come up to me now, and if there's a kid that comes in, they say, hey, is there anybody from the, the Treasure Valley you're thinking of? And I'm like, oh, yeah, well, this guy right here, this so And so he's a pretty good player. They said, well, we didn't ask if he was a pretty good player. We asked who he was as a person before he is a, as a player. So that's the thing that, that really drawed me in is they asked me, what are you like as a as a player or as a as a person? And it kind of caught me off guard because, you know, it's it's like oh you wanted to know about that I thought we were here for baseball but at the same time it showed me and my family that okay they're just not here just to know who we are as a player they're they're here to know about us as a person as well.
2: Going going forward, looking down the road, uh, uh, what what do you see for yourself um, in in the future? I mean, do uh, do you, do you um, how how what what's your baseball future? What's your what's your dream still?
3: Right, right now my dream is to go wherever it takes me. Right now, as far as getting to another school, um, right now I don't have don't have that lined up because I'm still focused on on this this year. But right now, I if 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 worst comes to worst, I will go to actually my dream school, which is Boise State, because grew up a big Boise State fan. That's my dream as far as going to school anywhere and that's that's where i'd love to go but if it if it's baseball then you know still following that dream somewhere wherever it takes me wherever the coaches say hey they, we have interest in you okay well let's go set up a visit there if i like it then you know i'll be there but you know I, nothing set in stone as far as, as what i want to do but the dream right now is to, to play another two more years and see what happens after that
2: now, is the program you're in is it like a Juco program, two years, and then you go to another school, kind of like the junior college junior college program?
3: Yes, yeah. It's it's two years, and then and then get your associates, and then you you go to a, a four year if they want you, and if they if they do, then you're playing another two years. So or
2: or you could just put yourself up for the draft and enter into the the minor leagues somewhere, or go straight to the majors, right?
3: Yeah, exactly. That that you know that's another dream as well. That's definitely another dream. So, so but,
2: look at looking down the road a long ways. Uh, you, I mean, you've been in you've been in sports most of your life. Um, mm-hmm. What what do you think? What do you think? What do you think you're going to be doing when you're forty years old? What, what what will you will you be a fan or will you be involved somehow with sports?
3: You know you know my dad and my dad was <laughs> yeah. was one of the he was a guy that had that showed a lot of character when he was coaching and everything like that and then he coached me all the way up till I was fourteen years old and and he's he's the best coach that I've ever had not just because he's my dad but just because he taught me everything I knew before I got into any higher levels and he made me work hard. And, and I say, everybody says, well, you're the coach's son and everything like that you get pushed harder. Well, honestly, yeah, I got pushed harder because I knew I had to be just as good better than what my dad wants me to be. And, you know, and, and that's what I want to do for my kids. If I have kids, I want to put them through a sport if they want to do it and say, okay, I'll coach you like in baseball. if, they want to play baseball. I'll definitely teach them. But if they still want to play, I'll definitely teach them, and I'll, I will be coaching. I won't. I. I don't think I can sit on the sidelines and just watch. Yeah. I, I'd have to definitely coach for sure.
2: It, it, there, so. there is something about uh, spending your your <laughs> life as an athlete uh, when you're no longer playing. You, it's coaching just seems like a natural shift to make.
3: Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, I, I haven't
2: been. I haven't been able to get out of coaching. I just. That's too much fun. <laughs>
3: It is, and even for me, you know, I'm I'm coaching. You know, I'm coaching, coaching my team right now. I'm telling them this is what we did last year, you know, and this is what we what we expect out of you. This is what the coach expect out of you. We'll teach you how to do that and everything like that. So it's it's a nice it's a nice way of helping us. My our head coach here says, you know, you guys are going to be head coaches one day, whether you think you are or not. And it really put us into it put it into perspective. He's like, you're going to teach one of these guys something that they didn't know, and then they're going to teach other guys. So it it puts it into perspective for sure. For
2: sure, definitely does. You know one of the one of the other things that's amazing is you think of all the um, I, I, I don't even remember the numbers, but millions of kids uh, are involved with with organized sports up through uh, up until high school. And after high school, that number drops You know, more than half. Uh, and after high school, I think it's only maybe 10% or even fewer go from high school sports to college sports. Uh, you, you, you end up becoming part of a, a select group of the American population, the fact that you're even playing a college sport. Um, it's, it's not so much like a privileged, oh, you're special, but it's, it's you've, you've got this opportunity that a lot of others don't have um how does it how does it feel to be kind of part of that i want to say so, yeah, kind of a select group uh, it's it's it, it's, a, it's it's unique
3: it, it feels every time i hear that i feel like wow i have done something you know just just being a part of of something that that is a, such a low number is is it quite incredible to say the least you know i mean half the kids that I went to high school with or played baseball with in high school aren't playing. You know? So it, it it's it's definitely it puts it into perspective that, you know, I'm I'm part of that I think for college baseball players it's like five percent or something like that. And then and then only I forget what the numbers, it's like seven hundred baseball players go on to the major leagues and play in the major leagues, that number is, is it, it's definitely staggering. I mean, you don't feel like you don't feel like that you're that part of that little percentage because you see all the guys around you. Like right now, I have about like 47 guys on my team just trying to make a team, and you know it, it puts that in for, into perspective how how little that number is for sure.
2: Yeah, it is. It really is. So yeah, you're you're definitely part of a special group of people. What what are you st- what are you studying? What's your what's your major field going to be uh, when, you, when you start working on that?
3: Yeah, I you know I'm right now I'm just gonna probably get my general transfer out of the way. I've definitely thought about about going either into the criminal justice background or or just being a, a I love history, so like maybe a history teacher and then coaching some high school baseball somewhere or or doing something um, as far as as giving back. Because I had to, I I know my best subjects in high school were, were history and some of the best teachers I ever had came from history. So and that I know that's what I want to do. But it, I it's, it's, I it's
2: interesting <laughs> you mention the you you mentioned coaching in high school. You, the, the a lot of people I know who talk about teaching some, or going into something like history, English, mathematics, they talk about doing that so they can be, become a teacher so that they can coach. Uh,
3: yeah. Yeah it it's definitely one of those things where where you you definitely want to give back to to what you were a part of you know i i people come up to me and go what high school did you go to i said meridian high and they're like oh meridian high And i'm like no 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 meridian high has been around for so long there's so much tradition about meridian high and it's not just the athletics that makes it 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 go it's the teachers and the culture around that high school, that makes it great. I had some of the best four years I've ever had in that high school, and and that's why I, I want to give back is because if those teachers help me out. I want to help out the students who come later in life. Well
2: That's pretty cool. It sounds like you might be joining us in the neighborhood eventually someday. That's cool.
3: <laughs> maybe, hopefully.
2: <laughs> well, maybe after a long career in baseball.
3: So. Yes, yeah, that would be awesome.
2: Well, hey, thanks for spending some time with us. So, um we'll uh, we're we're doing a special episode on, on uh baseball in a couple of weeks. Uh one one, one more thing. Uh who do you, who do you think for the World Series? Who's the, who are gonna be the two teams?
3: Well, since you know, I've seen I've been watching the games pretty close the past couple of days. I I'm thinking it's gonna be the Cubs and Red Sox. I I I really do and I think the the Cubs are gonna beat the Red Sox, but you know, I mean I, my, uh, my Seattle Mariners almost made it, but didn't cut, but didn't make it. So I'm just kind of one of those guys who just sits back and watches right now. But definitely Cubs fan, because for one, they haven't been there in forever, and they need to get that that curse off of them for sure. Yeah,
2: kind of like so. like the Sox did back. Uh, what was it, 2005? Yeah, yeah, that? 2006 yeah. when they got rid of that curse.
3: Yeah, that, yeah, something like that. They they need to get rid of that for sure. That would be awesome.
2: Yeah, I, if I had to put money down, I'd be I'd be pulling for the Cubs just because I want them to to get yeah, over that, yeah. get over that slump. That's a huge yeah. World Series yeah. slump, no, none bigger. Thank thanks for uh, spending time with us and um, uh, enjoy enjoy just keep on relishing and enjoying that time you have to play ball. There's there's nothing better than <laughs> to to uh, keep doing what you love.
3: Yeah, definitely. Hey, thank you so much for having me on and it it was definitely fun talking with you we'll talk with you later sounds good flame magnified sanctified be thy holy name vilified crucified in the human frame a million candles burning for the help that never came
2: you want it darker
1: Nanny, nee, 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 nee. I'm ready, my Lord. Let me take just a second here to thank you, our listeners, for checking out the podcast and for your words of encouragement and support. I know what you're probably thinking about right now. You're thinking, this podcast is all right, not bad, not bad. And maybe you're also thinking, I wonder how this podcast could possibly get any better. Well, first of all, thank you for thinking that. And secondly, oh, yeah. It can you see we're just learning we're just getting started and one thing that we've learned so far is that we need to upgrade our tech our sound equipment and pretty much everything else we're also learning putting the show together takes a little bit of scratch if you know what I mean a few sticks of cheddar Uh, money I'm, I'm talking about money and this is where you come in if this podcast is something that you enjoy something you'd like to see continue something you'd like to see get better and better would you please consider donating a little something something? If you're interested, you can find us at www.themissionplace.org/all that's Holy Blue Collar. Look for the donate button at the bottom of the page. We happen to fall under the auspices of the Mission Place, which is a 501c3 organization that is like a network of guides and teachers for developing gifts for service a partner for those who are called to service within the church, and basically a a resource for those who love the church. Through partnerships with multiple organizations, institutions, and churches, the Mission Place brings together gifted individuals to work together for specific projects. Now, all of your donations to help the podcast are tax-deductible for this reason, and any extra we receive that does not go directly to the show will be given to the Mission Place and its good cause. There will be further avenues to help us with the podcast coming in the future like maybe a patreon page for example but in the, in the meantime we want to thank you again for listening and considering donating to the all that's holy blue collar podcast
2: it's library time this time we're going to take a look at a book that we recommend you you check out but not only check out but experiment with in this visit to the library we're going to look at a new book published by Good Books in which Willard Roth has collected decades of recipes and put together a new cookbook called Mennonite Men Can Cook Too. One of the fun things about reviewing a cookbook is that I don't stop to consider the major arguments, surprising themes, and quality editing. I just enjoy the process of making sure that they taste good, and they do. Sweet potato lasagna, hearty polenta florentine, and the favorite so far has been the rhubarb muffins, which I've had to make a couple of times on request. The recipes are divided into courses, beginning with starters, going to the mains, then sides, and sweets. With each section, Roth introduces the section with stories of hospitality and foods, from personal travels and relationships from France to Germany, Ghana, Canada, and many more places. A fun section is the chapter on menus that follow a semi-liturgical pattern. Roth provides an Epiphany Feast, St. Valentine's Dinner, Celtic Recipes for St. Patrick's Day, Shrove Tuesday New Orleans Supper, Agape Bible Land's Breakfast, Autumn Thanksgiving Meal, and a simple Advent tea. So check out Willard Roth's cookbook, Mennonite Men Can Cook Too, from Good Books. And just in case you misunderstand the title, You don't have to be a Mennonite, and you don't have to be a man. And even if you can't cook, follow Roth's recipes, and you will.
1: Two-minute oh, warning. Two warning, fellas. Here's my two-minute warning question because we'll be in January when this comes out. The uh, NFL playoffs will be in full swing. We'll be heading towards the Super Bowl. And so I want to hear right now, before the playoffs even begin, who is your picks for the Super Bowl? You each get how much time do we get? Well, it's going to be, I don't know. I'll go 30 seconds.
0: Yeah, I don't need a lot of
1: time. Okay. Well, I wanted you to defend your picks, too, though, a little bit.
2: Uh-oh. Yeah, I, I my, my – my, my, okay, go ahead.
1: <laughs> what, 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 what? So – Okay, hold uh, on. Let me get the timer set. All
0: right.
1: You get – we have this figured out once.
2: I'll take 30 seconds. I won't need a lot of time.
1: Okay, he doesn't need a lot of time. I'm putting 30 seconds on the clock. And, Craig, tell us right now, who is your picks and why for the Super Bowl? Go.
2: Mine are existential and emotional picks, which has little to do with skill or anything else. Oh, boy. I have always, uh, always fought for the underdog. I always want the underdog team. Okay. And I always have a hard time when somebody who's the perennial underdog actually begins doing well. Okay. Like, I had trouble knowing I like root for the Cubs because they're doing so well. Wait, uh-huh. But they're generally an underdog. Uh-huh. So, I'm I'm pulling for the team that I never, ever like, the, the, the Cowboys, and I'm also pulling for the Raiders. Cowboys and Raiders.
1: Ooh, that'll be a good one. That would be a good one. Okay, Justin, how much time do you well, need?
0: I don't need a lot of time, 30 to 45 seconds, probably. Okay, I'm
1: putting 45 seconds on the clock. Let's hear your picks and why.
0: Okay, with... I'm picking the Cowboys and the Patriots. I'm I gonna it. go with the Patriots. But, Patriots Jesus. over the Cowboys. But I gotta admit, I have I have very little conviction about this, though. I mean, yeah. the uh, I understand the arguments against both teams right now. The with the Cowboys, just inexperienced, not to right, mention. Right. I actually, you're gonna laugh at this, but I wouldn't be surprised if Tony Romo ends up starting the playoffs with them, securing a first round bye. I think it's what Jerry Jones wants, honestly, and so. I mean, I'm hoping it doesn't happen. I think they have a better chance with Prescott, but I could see that somehow getting in the way. And then, just real quick, as far as New England, they have not been the same team since Gronk went out for the year. So, I don't know who would challenge them. I think the Raiders have the best chance of beating them, but I don't even see that happening. I I think Patriots almost by default, just because I can't picture any other team doing it other than them. But... I have very little conviction
1: about them at this point too. Mm. Okay, I guess that just leaves me. Yep. Uh, right. I have, you know, this is the the weirdest year. I can't really pick anybody. Um, <laughs> exactly. It's, it's too hard. Like I, of course, as a Cowboys yeah. fan, I want to say the Cowboys, but I also realize with you know I'm with Justin the inexperience. Um, They're going to come up against, you know, see the Giants, see their game against the Giants. When they go against a defense that is locked in and ready, and they will be in the playoffs, I don't know. I mean, that's who they're going to face, you know, whether it be Seattle or, gosh, I don't know, who else? (laughs) Who else in the (laughs) NFC? Well, the Giants. I mean, who knows? I guess they could go against the Giants again uh, in the playoffs. Yeah, I could see the Seahawks. Yeah. Right, Seahawks, Giants. So it's a tough call from the NFC. AFC um, again. It's kind of the same thing, you know. It's hard. Who's who's coming up, and and when that happens, I have to go with the de facto Patriots, uh, just like uh, Justin, because they they know what they're doing with the coach yeah. Belichick and with Brady. It's hard to pick against them, so they're like my default <laughs> pick usually every year when it's not clear. Yeah. So I got to go Patriots from the AFC, and I guess from the NFC. <sighs> <sighs> I'm gonna have to go Giants. I uh, maybe the Giants might roll into the Super Bowl again one more time. Uh, Patriots, Giants. That, Patriots, Giants. Three. That would be crazy if that oh, happens again. Oh man. That was fun. <laughs> but now, but I'm part. I'm fifty-fifty. It could be the
2: Cowboys. So yeah. I I I'd like to, I, I I wonder to a degree how does inexperience at that level right. benefit you?
1: That's true. It can benefit. You could be too. Inexperienced to know any better. Yeah. That's yep. <laughs> yeah, uh, true. And, and, and Dak Prescott seems like the type of guy who's unflappable anyway to begin with. See
0: that? That's, yeah. That's, so. that's true. Oh, wow. So okay. eventually. I, yeah, go ahead. We'll, I, we'll, we'll know eventually yeah. who makes it. Yeah. <laughs> yep.
1: Oh, man. And it's uh, a crazy year. I've, crazy been year.
0: Saying, I've been saying all year that for me, for the Patriots, I think their biggest threat in the playoffs would be the Broncos and the Ravens who seem to they do the best against them, but yeah. it looks like neither of those teams yeah, are gonna the make Broncos. the playoffs yeah, this year. Yeah, so yeah. if they're not then it's like the Raiders to me, I just think they win games largely based on ball control. I mean their defense isn't that great. That just that seems to me like a team that Bilichek would just eat up once he gets once he gets looking at the film. The only way I can see them beating the Patriots is if Derek Carr just has an excellent game and yeah. uh, just blows people away, just has like a page-turning game, which he officially becomes an elite quarterback for the next decade, but other than that, I just I can't pragmatically see them ch- even challenging the Patriots, to be right.
2: honest. It, it, and one of the places where the Raiders have a lot of, a lot of uh, help with that is there, it, Derek Carr is good, as long as his pinky's good, But there's a lot of a lot of strength uh, in in the rushing and the receiving core.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's yeah, and it's ball control. They're very good at winning the time of possession battle. Mm -hmm. If Belichick just forces them into a few more three and outs than they're used to, and the Patriots win the time of possession battle, I could see that one being pretty decisive.
2: And the 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 hardest part for the Raiders is actually to maybe win a game. Before the, the you know the two minute warning, right? Yeah, Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they they leave it as a nail biter all the time.
1: Yeah, yeah. Here's what, if if it is the Cowboys Patriots, even as a Cowboys fan, I still give the edge to the Patriots because if you give Bill Belichick enough time to game plan against, I mean, he'll do more than the Giants did. You know?
0: Yeah.
2: The thing about Belichick is his his coaching brain is, uh, I think, bigger than everybody else's. Yep.
0: Yeah. Yep. Yeah, if it was Patriots, Cowboys, and the Super Bowl, I'd give the edge to New England as well. Yep. One more ride for Brady. Yep. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. That's going to be crazy, especially if he gets there without Gronk. I mean, that would be I know. incredible.
2: Yeah, now, see, now here's, here's the thing that bothers me about Brady is... There's, there's certain issues going on in the whole political sphere about political favors based on who you support and all this kind of stuff. Right. So my hunch is maybe the Patriots will win because Brady was a Trump supporter and Putin, Putin's gonna help <laughs> no. the Patriots. He's gonna rig the Super Bowl. Putin
1: already has the Super Bowl ring for the Patriots. <laughs> yeah, that's right.
3: That's
1: right. Well, I think you gave it back eventually, but
2: uh, okay. So one one we went way over two minutes there, you know. <laughs> I know. Well <laughs> yeah. I'll cut it down a little bit. Oh, We by, were
0: if my, no, if that I'll keep minutes. it going.
1: We're good. We're good time wise. <laughs> you so. know what
0: happened is it was a two minute warning and we kept getting first downs and ball. That's right. The ball. Exactly. That's
2: we yeah, and minutes. had a little overtime and another overtime.
0: A little overtime. All right, guys, it's almost all 10, right.
1: so All right. I think we covered everything. We're awesome.
2: You We're know, doing we are right. awesome. And just uh, remember, anybody who's listening to this, uh, send us your ideas, suggestions, <laughs> topics. Yes. Uh,
0: music. Ideas,
1: suggestions, topics, music, money. We'll take it all. Yeah. Yes, everyone. right. <laughs> <laughs> and all right, guys, I'm looking forward to 2017 with you in our new format, season number two. Episode number yep. yes, one. Sir. Awesome. Yep. Amen. Uh, in the bag. And we didn't suck. <laughs> we didn't suck. Woo! <laughs> Alright. Maybe we'll
0: suck next time.
1: We'll make up for it next time, I'm sure. <laughs>
0: Alright. <laughs> <Yeah, well, yeah.
2: laughs> got, gotta stay consistent. That's right. Yep. Alright, yes, guys. Sir. Oh, up. Right. Hey, you know, if I'm ready, Merry you Christmas. Merry uh, Christmas. Hope, oh, wait. Hope you have a have had a merry christmas.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, this is Cody from the future. Hope you had a merry huh. christmas.
2: Make sure you get thank your you white... Cody
0: from the future.
2: Make sure you get your dry white toast and four fried chickens yeah. and the coat. We're, uh, we're on a mission from
0: God. We're on a mission right, from guys. God. Yep, thank you guys. Merry Christmas.
1: Merry Christmas. See you guys.